You are listening to the Divorced Christian Podcast Show with your host and teacher, Darius Good. He is the senior pastor of Bible Gospel Center and founder of Good Treasure Ministries. He is the author of the books, Unlocking Godly Wisdom and The Divorced Christian. For more information, visit the website at thedivorcedchristian.com. And now here's your host, Darius Good. Welcome to the Divorced Christian Podcast Show. My name is Darius Good. Thank you for joining us on today. We titled today's episode, Every Biblical Engagement Discussed Divorce. And so we're going to deal with the topic of the betrothal, or as we read with the story of Mary and Joseph, how they were espoused to be married. Um, I think it's important that we go through these details Um, When we talk about the betrothal or being espoused, it's important that we know what that means and the details that are a part of that experience. Uh, Their engagement process was very different in the Bible than what it is as many experience today, unless we are still following those particular traditions. So if you go to Israel, a lot of the Jews are still following this particular um, ceremonial practice. But when it comes to those of us outside of the Jewish faith, many of us don't practice a lot of these customs and aren't even aware of this, this practice. And so I want to spend today's episode going through the details of the betrothal period within a relationship. Now, this was established in... Deuteronomy chapter 24 by Moses. When he established the law of Moses, he established 613 laws. So it goes beyond the 10 commandments. And when we get into the the laws, um, there's laws that pertain to marriage, um, to to family relationships. There's quite a few laws that does pertain to marriage. Um, But anything involving the culture, involving uh, relationships, conduct, how to resolve issues. All of this is written within the 613 laws. I do have a link on the website, thedivorcechristian.com. You could find, I have two links. One link lists all the laws in order. The second link lists them in categories, which I think is very interesting as you have laws that pertain to certain, certain things. And so I recommend that you go to the website, take a moment and read through those laws when you get a chance. Um, But we're going to begin in Deuteronomy chapter 24, where Moses established not only the laws that pertain to marriage, but the laws that pertain to divorce. All of that is in one verse. So that's Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse one. And it reads, when a man have taken a wife and married her, and it come to pass that she has that she finds no favor in his eyes because he hath found some uncleanness in her, then let him write her a bill of divorcement and give it in her hand and send her out of his house. Just to quickly reiterate, we have two, two uh, laws that are established in this verse. The first is pertaining to marriage. When a man hath taken a wife, this is the betrothal period. The second part is when he has married her. So there's two parts now to the marriage um, as Moses established to be the new custom among the nation of Israel. Once again, this was established at Mount Sinai. 
The second part that deals with divorce, part, uh, that's a part of the same verse. It says, when he has written her a bill of divorcement, then he is to send her out of his house. So now, before there was no legal documents that was signed or issued by the court, now is a requirement that the, the marriages be dissolved in a legal matter. There are documentations that's a part of the divorcement. And then the second part was to send her out of the house, which is a term that they use called put away. And you see this term throughout the scriptures. Uh, Jesus often used this term, and this is where the confusion lies, because many translate the concept of being put away as that of being divorced. But we clearly see here that there are two processes. One is the actual divorce. One is to be put away, which means to send away or to release or to bid um, to, to, to go away. And so the process that we tend to use in our modern day society with divorce is we send her out of the house first or we separate and then we get the divorce. Whereas with Moses was establishing, he was saying, get the divorce and then send her away. She's not allowed to remain in the home once the divorce has been finalized. So let's go back to the concept of marriage as Moses established these two parts now to marriage. So the first part was to take a wife, which is really the espousal, um, the beginning of the espousal period or the betrothal. And then we have the actual marriage. I'm going to read from the Jewish Encyclopedia, and you can look this up if you choose to. Just go to jewishencyclopedia.com and type in the word betrothal, B-E-T-R-O-T-H-A-L. And it explains the betrothal period or the process. Um, and I'll just read several passages and then we'll, we'll explain so it explains that the term betrothal in Jewish law must not be understood in its modern sense. That is the agreement of a man and a woman to marry by which the parties are not, however, definitely bound, but which may be broken or dissolved without formal divorce. So it begins by explaining our traditional or modern day way of marriage. When we enter into a betrothal period, and we don't use that term, but now I'm engaged, what it's explaining is that, that even if the, the woman accepts my ring and has agreed to marry me, this acceptance is not bound by law. We can just assume, decide tomorrow that we're not going to get married. Um, and it doesn't require a dissolving of this agreement with a formal divorce. Now, in Jewish law, this is the case. And because this is the case, many Christian teachers will teach that you could only get divorced during the betrothal period. So this is where they teach Moses, uh, I'm sorry, Mary and Joseph, they were spouse to be, be married, and Joseph was considering putting her away privately. And so we talk about that divorcal uh, requirement, but that's not true. There was also divorce 
post-marriage. Otherwise, there will be no need for the ketubah. So that's, um, that, that document is critical in this process of the betrothal, and we'll see that as we, we move forward. But as there are showing the differences, this is in the Jewish encyclopedia, showing the differences between today's uh, espousal period and that of the times there in the scriptures and also uh, many of the Jewish practices that they still follow today. I'm going to paraphrase some of this uh, here in this article, but it talks about there are different uh, biblical passages that talks about the negotiations um, for the arrangement of marriage. And it talks about how there were members of the two families that were involved or their deputies. And of course, we can see that in the story of Abraham when he sent his servant to select a wife for Isaac. And they required the consent of the prospective bride. So women were not just given away. They were not chess pieces on a board, but there had to be a consent um, from the female to agree to the marriage. But when the agreement had been entered into, it was definite and binding upon both the groom and the bride who were considered as man and wife in all legal and religious aspects except that of actual cohabitation. So when the woman agreed to marry the man and the man agreed to marry the woman, it was legally binding at this point. Now understand what made it legally binding is the ketubah. All right, so we'll get into that in a few minutes. So the root of to betroth, from which the Talmudic abstract betrothal is derived, it must be taken in this sense, to contract an actual though incomplete marriage. So that's how they want you to think about it when you hear the word betrothal. To contract an actual though incomplete marriage. So the two parties have entered into a contract, is actually a marriage, but is viewed as a incomplete marriage. So it's important that we understand that. Because there is a contract involved, this is a legal binding relationship. So it goes on to read, in strict accordance with this sense, the rabbinical law de declares that the betrothal is equivalent to an actual marriage and only to be dissolved by a formal divorce. Now, when I hear Christians teach along this particular subject and they talk about the requirement for divorce uh, within the relationship, they always omit the ketubah. They omit the contract. They omit the agreement as if she agreed to marry the man, the man agreed to marry the woman. Now we got to go get a divorce. So that concept is very diluted. It's, it's, far, it's far from the, the severity of the contract that has been drafted and put together. I encourage you to listen to last week's episode as we read through the ketubah and went through some of the details that are included. And that was a very general ketubah. If you go to the website, once again, thedivorcechristian.com, I do have some, a, the, the ketubah that I read on last week 
there's a link there. If you click on it, you can read through a concept of the ketubah and the agreement that the man has with the woman and all the promises that he made that are now legally binding. There was one article that I read, and I don't have it in front of me, but it talked about how if a couple entered into marriage without the contract, without the ketubah, and there was later an issue down the road that the priest would have them flogged, they would be beaten, the man and the woman would be beaten in, in front of the town because it was a display of their dishonor for marriage. Marriage is viewed as holy. It's, it's, it's an established institute or institution by God. And so for, for a man and a woman to enter into this marriage without any thought of the future, this whole concept that we just love each other, we want to be together, no. It's time to be adults and now carve out what the future shall look like. And that was written on, on paper, on documentation or parchment. And so this is the ketubah that is a major part of this, this process of the betrothal. So let's go back to the negotiations. During the negotiations, they would discuss uh, the value of the daughter. Um, as I've said before, um, Jacob paid Laban seven years worth of labor. So just take your yearly income, multiply that by seven. That was what Laban felt the value of Rachel was. So they would discuss the, the and it was really a gift given to the dad um, on behalf of the, the daughter. Uh, it's, we refer to her as a spousal payment, but he's not buying her. She's not a slave. Um, they also would discuss the dowry, the amounts of the dowry. Generally, the husband or the groom would match the amount of the dowry as a statement to the wife to be that if I married you, this is what you would receive if we end up divorced. Or in the case of my death, you will get the equal value to the dowry plus the dowry. And this way, the woman would be taken care of in the absence of a husband. When I say absence, that means divorced or dead. Um, they also discussed uh, property that was owned by the wife. Many of that, much of that information was included in the ketubah. Um, so that if there was any dividing of the assets as a result of the divorce, we knew exactly how much land she owned. Um, and the husband was also required, and there's much more to this, but I want to read through the betrothal period. But the husband was also required that if any of her valuables, the land, um, things of this nature, if it began to depreciate in value, he was required to make up the difference. So divorces became extremely costly. If she owned land in her, her property, let's say it devalued by 20%, and that land was a million dollars, assessed at a million dollars, to devalue at 20%, would be $200,000 that he now owes her in addition to the agreed upon settlement for a divorce, plus she's to receive the dowry that the husband is to be responsible for. In essence, he held that in an escrow account and she would receive that at the divorcement. That's why the ketubah became so important because this document uh, outlined their agreement and had to be brought to the priest. And so all this now was written into their divorce agreement, which was written by the scribe and then placed into the, 
woman's hand as we read there in Deuteronomy chapter 24. So now let's talk about this process of the betrothal. And it was a very legal ceremony. The betrothal, and I'm reading from the Jewish encyclopedia.com. If you look up the word betrothal, to scroll down and explains the betrothal uh, ceremony. The betrothal in its legal sense is performed in the following manner. After, after the ordinary benediction over wine, the person performing the ceremony continues as follows. They'll say, blessed art thou, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with thy commandments concerning forbidding connections and hath forbidden unto us those who are merely betrothed and permitted unto us those lawfully married to us through canopy and betrothal. Now, mind you, there was a, a canopy that was also involved in this um, experience as well. It goes on to read, Blessed art thou, O Lord, who sanctifiest thy people Israel through Hapa, or Hupa, H-U-P-P-A-H, and Kiddushin, K-I-D-D-U-S-H-I-N. I'm probably not pronouncing these words correct. It goes on to read, After which the groom hands to the bride a ring or some object of value, not less than a peruta, P-E-R-U-T-A-H, which was the smallest current coin. So he had to give her some, something of value. And then he would say, be thou betrothed unto me with this ring or object in accordance to the laws of Moses and Israel. What's interesting is today we use the ring as part of our process to begin our engagements. Um, it goes on to state, as stated above, this act of betrothal is at present combined with the right of home-taking. So once the betrothal took place, they brought the woman to the home, and after the placing of the ring upon the finger of the bride, the marriage contract, the ketubah, is read, which means the ketubah had to be drafted before the engagement. So now during the betrothal, when they start the engagement, they read through the ketubah, it is read to form an uh, interval between the two acts. Another benediction was made over wine and of the customary seven wedding benedictions forms the completion of the wedding ceremony. So what I just read, they actually began a process of doing the betrothal and the marriage ceremony together. But during the times, uh, the Talmudic times or the, the biblical times, there was a space of nine months to 12 months that time would pass from the betrothal engagement process, the ceremonies that would take place, the exchanging of gifts, um, the dowry had to be given to the, the groom, the groom had to make his payments uh, to the father, um, the spousal payments. Then the bride would begin the process of preparing herself for marriage. There was no bridal shop for her to go to. Go to. So they would have to begin making her dress. And the other requirements that they had agreed upon for their marriage, she would begin to prepare herself for these things. The husband would do the same. And of course, 
um, with him not being married, he now needs a place for the wife to live. So it was customary for the man to go to his father's house and to build uh, sometimes an add-on to the home, or sometimes he would construct his own tent uh, near the home. But this is, it's important we understand this, this part because Jesus makes a statement to his disciples and he says to him that I'm going to go away. And he says, in my father's house, there are many mansions. I am going to prepare a place for you so that where I am, you can also be. We preach that Jesus is talking about he's going to come back and get the church. He's going to bring the church. So we're talking about the, the resurrection of the dead. The church is going to live with Jesus for eternity. Um, but Jesus is, is talking about the betrothal period. That whole concept of going away to build a place is their betrothal experience. The Jewish men, the Jewish women, they understood this as Jesus was telling them that this was the, the spiritual experience that was about to take place. So Jesus was not talking about the death. He was talking about marriage in that, that those scriptures there. Where I am, you shall also be. This was the, 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 the vow part of the marriage as the exchange, the nuptials. That's when the, the groom would return once the house had been built and then they would take the bride and then they would go and conduct the ceremony. Another in, very interesting fact regarding their marriages was the father determined the date or the time of the, the actual exchanging of the vows. And so as they would ask the bride, when are you going to get married? She would say that she didn't know because there was their practice of them waiting for the, the father of the groom to make that decision. If you ask the groom, when are you getting married? Jesus makes a statement. No man knows the day or the hour. This is all referring to this betrothal experience, the betrothal process in which only the father knew when the, the sounding of the chauffeur would occur, which uh, alerted uh, the town that the wedding was about to begin. And then the groom would, would leave the house, the house in order to go take his bride. And the, the family members and the friends would be with him. And they would begin to shout and say, the bridegroom is coming, the bridegroom is coming. If we don't understand this, then we do not understand the parable of the, the, the wise virgins and the foolish virgins. That whole parable is based on the betrothal period of marriage. So we've missed out on so many uh, details, spiritual depth in these stories and in these parables as Jesus is sharing them because our Christian mindset, uh, we, we paint the, another picture other than what the Jews knew exactly what Jesus was referring to and what he was talking about. So I want to end with this particular point. As far as the ketubah, it was once again read at the wedding ceremony. So this is after the betrothal period when they did the exchanging of the vows. They would publicly read the ketubah, at which point the ketubah was placed in the hand of the wife, just like the divorce statement or the bill of divorce was placed in the hand of the wife. 
So they placed the ketubah into her hand, which documented all the promises that the husband has made. Why is this important? Because when we enter into our relationship with Jesus Christ, our New Testament, this was a covenant that we entered into. In essence, it's like the ketubah that outlines for us everything that the husband has promised to do for his bride, what Christ has promised to do for the church. If we don't understand the ketubah or if we don't understand the New Testament, then we don't really understand the depth of our relationship with Jesus. And so the betrothal period is a very important experience in the wedding experience. We talk about how in the book of Revelation that there's a, 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 a bride, he, uh, the, the groom is coming to receive his bride. And then there is the, the wedding ceremony that was to take place. The marriage of the lamb. All of this is a part of these Jewish um, laws and the Jewish customs that was established by Moses there at Mount Sinai. This is what God required and what God put in place. The ketubah at the end of the wedding ceremony, as I mentioned, was placed into the hand of the bride. The bride would then go to the house that was built by the groom and the ketubah would be put up on the wall. It was written in Aramaic, and so you couldn't just, you know, it wasn't written in, in English or in their language. Um, but the ketubah, as it hangs on the wall, it was a daily reminder to the couple of the agreement that they had made. It was a reminder to the husband of what he promised his wife, of the value that she is, the worth what it would cost him to break this agreement, to, to break this covenant with this woman. That was the purpose of the ketubah. The groom made a payment to the father because he saw the value and worth of this bride. Guess what? Jesus paid it all. He paid with his blood. And so we have to understand the depth of our relationship and our covenant with Jesus Christ. Join us next time. You've been listening to the Divorced Christian Podcast Show with your host, Darius Good. This was a Good Treasure Ministries production. Darius is the senior pastor of Bible Gospel Center, and he is the author of the book, The Divorced Christian. To learn more about this book and other books written by Darius, or to listen to other episodes of our podcast show, visit our website today at thedivorcedchristian.com. We pray that today's episode has brought revelation, understanding, and healing. Please like, share, and subscribe to our podcast show. And until next time, be blessed.